What's up guys, it's Will here from RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com coming at you with another video here. Um, this is part one of my real estate series uh, called Why You Shouldn't Buy a House. Part two is Why You Shouldn't Invest in Housing. Um, this might get a lot of people upset, but I don't care because at RLD, uh, we kill dreams, we don't sell them. College, marriage, career, home ownerships, the sacred cows of middle-class Western society. I have articles and videos um, killing all of those things. One, because those things don't exist anymore like they used to. And even when they did, um, I still think that's not the best way for a man to live. Uh, that's what we call the deferred life plan. Um, you know, deferring your enjoyment until your 60s when you've paid off your house and your wife is supposedly still alive and you have grandchildren and now you have leisure time and you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Fuck that. I want to enjoy the fruits of my labor now, which is why I live in Thailand at 33. I can get laid at will. I have passive income. I have active income. I make money on the internet, which is ridiculous. And I can literally do what I want any day of the week. Uh, that includes pick up shop and move anywhere else in the world. Um, I can't see how that is not a better way to live. And I'm going to illustrate that with this particular article on reasons why you shouldn't buy a house. Now, let's start off by knocking down this deferred life plan a little bit. So the idea is you buy a mortgage, 30, 35, sometimes 40 year mortgage. By the time you're 65, you can retire and enjoy that mortgage debt-free. Well, one in six of you is gonna be dead before 65. Look at the link in my article that complements this video for the that stat. Um, now let's look at the term mortgage. This was derived from law French in the Middle Ages and it translates to death pledge. That should tell you what you're getting into. The lifestyle, the deferred life plan with all the pillars of middle-class values career, marriage, home ownership. Since the 30s has been referred to as the American dream. Um, this was crafted by James Truslow Adams. And in the idea of the American dream, he said that life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement. Can't argue with anything there. But what James didn't mention was a 30-year commitment to a mortgage lender. That phrase and, you know, his, his statements and his speech was co-opted by the media and corporations and wrapped up into the American religion of the American dream. Um, with home ownership as one of its defining tenants. And a large part of this is because... Corporations don't want you to have job choices or financial independence. They want you to be tied to a location. They want you to be in debt and they want you to have to work for them so that their owners and stockholders get rich while you live paycheck to paycheck. Um, as we pass the, the 30s, uh, we get into the, um, the, the time of the rise of factories and assembly lines. Um, and the rise of row houses and communities of factory workers. Um, and since then, uh, since those days, homeownership has been promoted as the ultimate vehicle for middle-class savings. Um, in my opinion, a mortgage was never a good idea, but at least in those days, um, 
men could have a job that they could rely on for life and retire with a gold watch. Um, industry is dead in North America. Um, if you guys haven't noticed, it's been shipped to Mexico or China. Um, so even then, I don't think that was a good deal, but those days are gone. Okay. Any type of consistency as an employee, man, that's gone. It's long gone. Um, the temp worker is the norm and the average person doesn't last more than three years at any one job. Um, for some of you guys, that might be enough to convince you, but for the rest of you, keep reading because I'm going to destroy this concept of home ownership. First off, I'm going to destroy the five, sorry, the six reasons why people buy houses. Then I'm going to destroy um, the concept even further by my own reasons why you shouldn't buy houses. So let's get into the reasons why people buy houses and then debunk them. Okay. So status, number one, when you're buying a house, you become an upstanding member of the community. Um, you can tell people you own a house and everyone admires you and your family pats you on the back and says, um, you're doing the right thing. This should be a warning that it's the wrong idea because everyone else is not a winner, right? Everyone else is leveraging themselves to the hill to keep up with the Joneses who are doing the exact same thing. Everyone else doesn't even contemplate freedom because they've become slaves to status. And by buying a home, you just join their ranks. Number two, dreams. The bank, your real estate agent, your family and society tell you that you're not buying a house, you're buying a home. Homes don't exist. Homes are dreams. Dreams are fantasies. Uh, we live in reality. We don't live in dream world. So the dream that you're buying into is home ownership with a picket fence and a space, spacious backyard and a warm, cozy place to raise a family. That doesn't exist. That is a house and you can, you can do with a house what you want, but homes don't exist. Okay. Um, calling it a home is what real estate agents and mortgage lenders do to manipulate your emotions. They sell you a dream of home ownership. Um, what you get is a house, which is a physical product subject to rot, rust, and needs renovations. Okay. Not saying that you can't have a happy family, but I'm saying that's not what you're buying. A home doesn't exist. It's a house. So get rid of that dream. Number three, people buy houses because of pressure. Women pressure men, their husbands, to buy a house. Their husbands are told babies need space. His family and her family reinforce that pressure. The truth is babies don't need anything except food, clothing, and shelter. It's true that it's much more comfortable to raise kids um, in a nice big house, but not at the expense of having unhappy, stressed out parents who don't have any time to raise kids because they're both working um, 11 hours a day. Uh, most guys shouldn't be getting married for a number of reasons. One of which is you can't afford a wife and kids, let alone buying a house. Um, I've got a colleague, an ex colleague, who's a great example. He was 40, a 40 year old salesman. His manager was 33. Um, which is bad enough as it is, it was a horrible job, which he hated. He was a broken man, which he admitted to me. He said those actual words. Um, he had a demanding wife, expensive wedding. They took multiple year trips per year on credit. And since I met the guy, he already knew he was a broken man, but he went ahead and bought a house 
bought a dog and none of which he could afford. Fully supported by my ex-boss, who went so far as to loan him his appraiser, knowing that he had now had his top salesman by the balls for the rest of his life because this guy couldn't even take a month off. You know, they could put as much pressure on this guy as they wanted because, you know, he had no choice. He had all these things that he had to pay for. Um, and he boxed himself into a corner and did that willingly. So pressure. Pressure is not a good reason to buy a home. Just because your wife or your family is pressuring you to buy you buy something you can't afford does not mean that you should do it. You know, instead tell them you can't afford a house and you'd much rather have a happy family in a smaller place than an unhappy family, a stressed out, unhappy family that has to work insane hours to buy something that you can't afford. Number four, appreciation. We're told that houses appreciate. But compared to stocks and bonds, they are the least appreciable class and the worst investment. So a lot of people wouldn't have believed that until the crash, the housing crash uh, in the U.S. If you owned a house at that point, you lost something like 60 percent of the value in your home. Um, and this is this is quite common. This happens every 20 or 30 years. From 1890 to 1990, this is from Robert Schiller, author of Irrational Exuberance, who has the largest study on housing prices ever uh, in North America. From 1890 to 1990, the appreciation in U.S. housing was just about zero. Um, that amazes people, but it shouldn't because the cost of construction and labor has been going down. If you really want to invest in a house, um, just buy an REIT, which is liquid. The common myth that houses always appreciate in the long run is not true. For evidence, just look at the housing crash um, that put millions on the street a few years ago in the U.S. And the majority of houses um, houses appreciate from inflation. So the average person over like 30 years sees maybe a $400,000 profit, um, thinks he made the right decision, when the majority of those gains um, are actually caused by 3% inflation a year. Unless there's a bubble, house prices only rise with salary and inflation. So because prices can't increase more than incomes in the long run, otherwise people wouldn't be able to afford them. So the majority of the profit that you see, and I'm not even getting into interest at this point, um, where you pay triple what the house's value is on the interest, the majority of the profit is actually inflation, which is 3% a year. Um, so that one's dead. Customization, people think because they own a home, they can customize it, whereas with an apartment, you can't customize things. Um, but housing is often restricted by the homeowners association and zoning committees. Um, even if you can negotiate your way through that approval process, you now have years of renovations ahead, which is a major headache. And a lot of the time you can't even get approved for what you want to do. Um, Minimalism is the way. I just found a place that was furnished. I didn't have to do shit. I just moved in. And here in Thailand, cost me 300 US a month. It's a fucking joke. Okay. So this is one of the newest, nicest apartments in the city. Cost me 300 US a month to move in, move in fully furnished. If you don't like your place, just, just fucking leave, you know, find something you do like. Minimalism's the way, fuck renovations, just rent, okay? Next up, renting. It's just throwing away money. Well, that's not true. Cost of living is a necessary expense, whether you own a home or whether you're renting. You can't get away from that. You can't get away from 
the cost of food, the cost of supplies, and the cost of housing. Those are just necessary evils in your life. Um, you think that renting is throwing away an ownership, you can dodge that cost. That's not true because as an owner, you're throwing away money on interest, tax, insurance, and maintenance. You're always going to be throwing money away, whether you rent or you own. Also, taxes and maintenance may go up faster than rent, so you might have a couple good years until things start breaking down. Then you might, then you can have a fire or a robbery or you know some major appliances break down, and you know you could be in the hole. Um, when you rent, your client, you know, in North America, you've got a lot of legal rights protecting you. Um, when you're when you're a buyer. Um, you know, when you when you rent, your landlord works for you. If I have a problem with anything, I just call someone and I come home and that shit's fixed. Um, you know, as a buyer, it, it doesn't work that way. As a buyer, you're on the hook for everything. Um, it's true as a renter, you don't build equity, but equity is just money, okay? Equity is just a fancy word for money. Instead, you can live in a cheap apartment and divert all your savings towards building a business or invest in an asset with a better return like um, an index fund, which on average um, over the last 100 years has returned 8%. It's also super liquid. You can sell the index fund immediately um, with almost no friction. So now that we've debunked the reasons why people normally buy a house, I'm going to get into the reasons why I think you shouldn't buy a house. So number one, opportunity cost. Um, man buys a house, the majority of his savings go to the down payment and that money is effectively dead. So let's say you take 50 grand and put it into a house. You're not going to see that 50 grand for the next 30 years. And if you do see that, 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 um, that 50 grand, it's only because you're selling your house and what are you going to do with it? You're going to put that 50 grand into another house. So that money's dead. Okay. That money's not working for you anymore. Um, you know, that hundred down payment or that fifty thousand dollar down payment could have gone into a business that you launched that gave you a five thousand percent return. Uh, when I released my last ebook, How to Fuck Women Properly, I put five hundred dollars into the copy editing and into the formatting and having a nice cover. When I woke up the next morning, the majority of that was paid for. Okay, within the week, that book was more than paid for. Um, since I've launched that book. I've had like a 2000% return on my investment or more. I don't even 3000% insane. Okay. Blogging, my margins are higher than drug dealers. Um, you know, I pay for my entire blogging expenses within every month by the second day of the month. Okay. My total, um, return on investment this year is going to be like 3000. I don't even know, man. I'm talking about out of my ass. It could be like 7,000%. It's stupid. Okay. I put almost nothing monetary wise into this and what I get out of it's insane. Um, I mean, take, take that 50 grand and invest it in yourself. Another good way to get an insane return on your investment is start a service-based business. So throw that 50 grand into marketing for being a real estate agent and, you know, getting a landline and, and getting, you know, for your internet or whatever. And within two years, you're going to be making like six figures or fucking more than that, man. You could be doing, or you could be like, you could be doing 200 grand within like two and a half years as a real estate agent. Um, you know, service-based business margins insane on that. 
Number two, a house is your biggest investment, but it doesn't solve your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is that you're a wage slave and all your resources are dependent on your boss and you hate your job. If you work a job, you hate your job. You can't get rich as an employee and buying a house doesn't solve that problem. That is your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is that you're poor and you hate your job. Buying a house not only does not solve that problem, it compounds that problem. As a homeowner, now you're not only a wage slave, but you're a debt slave as well. Your biggest investment should solve your biggest problem, freeing yourself from wage slavery um, by creating a money machine, not plunging yourself deeper into bondage. I created a money machine, actually I have two of them, and now I live wherever I want and I don't have to do anything or listen to anyone. Number three, leverage. Um, leverage is taking a bet that the appreciation will be greater than the cost of borrowing. And when it works, it's great, but when it doesn't, you're out on the streets like most of the people during the housing crash. Um, if middle-class people went and borrowed hundreds of thousands of dollars from the bank to take a, uh, add interest to take a 30-year gamble on the price of an illiquid asset that wasn't a house, they would be labeled insane, okay? So if I told you that I went to the bank and I gave them 50 grand and I, I owe them $700,000 that I'm betting on anything else besides a house, you'd think I was that was like a crazy risk. But when people do it with a house, people think like it's a smart decision. It's $700,000 in debt, okay? There's no such thing as good debt. Good debt does not exist. You know, there's just debt, okay? Um, it's true that you can profit from a house when you're right, but as I said, the profit is not what you think it is. Um, you've also bought into a giant house of cards that can easily collapse and, you know, leave you with nothing or less than nothing. So let's break it down in terms of numbers. Let's say you buy a $100,000 house, which doesn't really exist anymore, at a 10% down payment of $10,000. That means you've taken out a $90,000 loan from the bank. With only a 10% correction in housing prices to $90,000, you now lose 100% of your investment. Your savings are completely wiped out. At a 20% correction in housing prices, you're down 200%, and now you're now you owe the bank ten thousand dollars. Now not only are your savings wiped out, but you owe ten thousand. Um, and a twenty percent correction is a hundred percent possible. Okay, um, it's possible without the market even crashing. Um, so leverage is a double-edged sword. You know, if you if you bet right, you know it works for you. But when you bet wrong, you get stung. Okay. Next up is commitment. So signing a 30-year commitment to anything, in my opinion, is retarded, uh, let alone one with a 6% uh, interest and on 500% leverage. Um, to me, to be able to sign a contract like that, uh, you need to be able to guarantee 30 years of uninterrupted income. I mean, can you guys do that? Um, I would say no, especially if you have a job, because then your resources are based on someone else giving them to you. Um, that's not an investment. That's a Hail Mary. Uh, a traditional mortgage, I might have worked in the previous generation where you had a job for life. You know, you retired with a gold watch. Um, but those days are long gone, guys. Uh, as we said before, the average person lasts three years at a job. Not only that, but is your skill set going to be even valuable in 20 years? Um, prior to uh, starting to make money online and, and moving my income online, my most valuable skill set was my sales ability, um, and a lot of that was phone sales. I mean, 
20 years from now, are guys still going to be cold calling and selling people over the phone? Um, probably not. So, you know, you got to be real careful about that, you know, especially if you're in a field like tech, um, you know, and you're a programmer. It's like, are your, are your skills going to be valuable 20 years from now? Not unless you keep insanely up to date with, with how things are going. Um, so, like, that's that commitment to me is insane. Um, not to mention that you're committed to something in a physical location. So part of the reason I was able to come out here and travel um, is because I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have any type of commitment uh, tying me to Toronto where there's eight months of winter a year. Okay. Um, signing a mortgage um, is almost as bad as signing a lifelong contract based on a woman's emotions in a country where traditional women don't exist and half of marriages end in divorce. See what I did there? Um, again, guys, marriage, very fucking dangerous. Uh, also, 80% of mortgages aren't kept to maturity. So the contract that you sign, the commitment that you sign is not only retarded, but you're going to probably break it anyways and then sign that commitment somewhere else. So doesn't make sense. Number five, captivity. As a homeowner, you no longer have the option to move. Uh, as a renter, you can choose a short commute um, to your wage slavery cell if you get another job by living close to the subway line. Um, but, I mean, I can't imagine what life was like for people. The majority of people in Toronto had to live two hours out into the suburbs because housing was so expensive in Toronto, um, which means they had like an hour and a half, two-hour commute to work worked a shitty eight-hour day for someone they hated and then drove two hours to get home. How is that like a life? I I mean, that to me is my nightmare. Um, yet people do this to themselves every day of the year. Um, so by buying a house, you are captive to a location. Um, number six, debt slavery. If you need a mortgage, that means you can't afford it. There's no such thing as good debt except for bankers because they get paid 6% interest while paying you 5.5% on your savings account. Um, if there was a thing as good debt, a 30-year gamble on uninterrupted earnings at 5% interest wouldn't qualify. That means a mortgage, okay? Even if there was such thing as good debt, um, a mortgage is not it. Good debt maybe would be for a business that you're aiming to give you thousands and thousands percent of return on uh, the amount of money you put up. Um, you know, what debt slavery does is it qualifies you to um, be a debt slave, you know, add a wife and two kids, and it's going to be almost impossible to invest in yourself. It's like this is the reason why most guys don't start a business um, past 40 because they're saddled with kids. They're saddled with a wife. You know, the wife wants renovations. She wants new clothes. The kids need braces. You need you have two cars. So you have two payments on that. you got a mortgage payment. The kids need to go to private school. You know, you want to buy a big screen TV. You like guys don't get out because they can't get it. Guys don't get out because they can't take even a month off to try and start something because they can't have a month of not earning. People talk about like they can't afford to be sick.
because they're living so tight that even like a few sick days is going to fuck up their entire lifestyle. It's like the average person in the middle class is so in debt that they're really a couple months away from living on the street, assuming that they didn't have family or friends to borrow off of. That's how serious it is. Okay. Um, number seven, time. Um, do you really want to spend all your free time working on your house? You know, is this, is this where your time is best spent? So renovations, fixing things, cleaning the gutters, um, owning even just one property is a part-time job. You know, that's time that can be spent working towards solving your biggest pain point, which is being a wage slave. Um, for me, I live in a rental here. I set up shop within a day or so. I got a real estate agent. I saw 12 places. I settled on this one. It's $300 a month. When I want it cleaned, I just go downstairs, get them to send up a maid. When I want laundry done, I give my laundry to the laundry service. I want something fixed. I message my landlord. I don't have to do shit. I literally just stay here. You know, that's it. Okay. Takes none of my time. Furniture was already here when I got here. Um, you know, my biggest problem is where I should go for dinner. Okay. That's, that's all I have to worry about is what to do for lunch and what to do for dinner. That's it. Okay. You know, the rest of my time goes to building a business and building things that's going to earn me money five, 10, 15 years down the road. You know, I wrote that book on sex. That's going to be making me money 10 years from now. My Tinder book, I don't know, maybe five years from now if Tinder's still going, but that sex book should make me money a decade from now, something that I did now. I mean, guys, I can't tell you, like, I can't stress this enough. Get equity, get stuff that's going to, you know, make you money passively. Um, you know, don't spend all your time fucking renovating your house. Like, it's stupid, man. Number eight, stress. Buying a home is stressful, okay? You got to deal with bidding, paperwork, lawyers, other friction. Um, you know, it's one of the most stressful things in people's lives. Uh, and then once you got the house, owning a house is stressful. You got monthly payments. You got things breaking. You got renovations. You know, you, you selling a home, that's stressful too. Then you got to deal with real estate agents again. You got to decide on the right offer. You got to fix your place up so it looks nice. You got to have strangers running through your house for months or years on end, you know, um, and that's just the average uh, homeowner. That's that's not even including guys who are on the wrong side of the housing crash and, uh, you know, are ending up committing suicide or guys who have to default on mortgage payments or, you know, any number of these things like that's that's an insane level of stress. And that's, you know, just added to all the other stress of, you know, a middle aged man. Number nine, lack of diversification. Cardinal rule of investing is diversify. Um, if you want to put all your eggs in one basket, um, at least put them in a basket that you have the maximum amount of control over, like a business. A business you can pivot, a business you can change products, a business you can, um, you know, customize your niche. Um, you can do any number of things, but, you know, you put the bulk of your savings into a home, you've got your entire portfolio into this giant um fixed asset that is depreciating that you know is subject to rust and rot um and that's it you know the, there's no diversification whatsoever um so number 10 illiquidity um let's say you need 
amazing once in a lifetime business opportunity comes up and you need money for it, but all your money's tied up in your house. You know, the guy wants to move now. He wants a partner now. It's your buddy from college. Um, and he's like, are you in or are you out? Your answer is you're out because it's going to take you three months to sell your house because your house is illiquid as fuck. Let's say you lost your job or you're going through divorce or you have urgent medical bills. All your money's tied up in your house and it takes you three months to sell the house. So you, that's a major problem. The only way that you can get the money right then is if you sell well below market rates and take a hit on what your profit would be. Um, compare that to an index fund, you know, I could log into E-Trade and sell that today if I wanted to um, within seconds, okay? Uh, number 11, transaction fees. So when it comes to housing, the transaction fees and the amount of friction that uh, they generate is greater than in all other assets combined. So when houses are bought and sold, you've got real estate agents, you've got lawyers, you have mortgage brokers, you've got escrow officers, you've got title representatives, and you've got appraisers, among others, all taking a piece of the action. Um, then you've got the real estate transfer tax, you've got escrow costs, you've got carrying costs, you've got property tax and other fees to deal with. Um, many, pe many people think they're just going to amortize those costs over the length of a 30-year mortgage. The problem is the average length of ownership of a house is seven years, not 30. So people buy these 30-year mortgages assuming that they're going to stay there for the rest of their lives when on average they get bored of the house or lose their job and have to either move somewhere else uh, after seven years or you know downgrade to another house. That means the 7% you pay in commission and closing fees comes out to closer to 1% a year, um, you know, as opposed to amortizing those costs over 30 years. That's about 1% a year because you're going to move and do it all over again. Okay. Um, number 12, maintenance. Uh, everything in your house is going to break. You're either going to fix it yourself or pay someone else to fix it. Um, when you rent, I tell someone, I tell my landlord something's broken. I come home at the end of the day and magically it's fixed. Number 13, damage. When it comes to buying a home, the best you can hope for is that it doesn't have major problems. Um, the best you can hope for is that you got what you paid for. Okay. <laughs> there's no potential hidden upside, but there's a big potential hidden downside. And that's even if you have an appraiser, there's a lot of stuff they could miss that, um, you know, it could be underlying structural problems, leaks, mold, you know, any number, any number of things that you're going to have to go out of pocket with. Um, the colleague I've mentioned before, the guy who considered himself a broken man, who used our boss's appraiser for the house, but the appraiser managed to miss, uh, managed to uh, miss um, a ton of mold in the basement, and he's going to have to go out of pocket thirty thousand dollars for that. Okay, um, I mean just a nightmare okay just an absolute nightmare um, you can easily spend half your day down payment um, going out of pocket to fix things that your appraiser missed which is exactly what he's doing um, and you know it's I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone so what you should do instead guys is what I did live cheap live as cheap as possible bank your money and use it towards investing in your own business investing in yourself or as a runway for, for you to sustain yourself while you build your business. Only, owning your own business is the only way out of slavery. 
So what I did was for pretty much the last three years of my corporate job, I had um, I had uh, RLD. Um, I also had a tech startup, and every dollar um, that wasn't going into those two things was going into my savings. So that when I moved to Thailand, I had a ton of runway for my business. With that said, um, I also had income coming in from my businesses by the time I moved to Thailand. And um, as of now, I don't even need that runway because my businesses are covering my lifestyle. But I banked a ton of cash um, and, you know, I got 20 grand um, in credit, which I haven't had to use um, just in case something went wrong. So, you know, if you're planning on moving your income online and you've got an online business, which I think you should, um, you can easily generate you know, four or five years runway if you're planning to move to, you know, a country like Thailand um, by the time you get out of wage slavery. And if you can have your business um, in operation and making money by the time you leave, you're laughing. You know, um, I'm never going to have to work again. My income's going up every single month um, exponentially. I've got enough cash to pay for years of lifestyle and I'm out, man. You know, and it's the most beautiful feeling in the world. And I strongly suggest you do the same. Invest in yourself, okay? If you don't want to leave your country and you want a business that's going to generate revenue quick, get into a service-based business, you know? Pave asphalt, shovel driveways, become a real estate agent, become a, uh, an, an insurance agent. If you want to make really good money, become a commercial real estate agent or a commercial insurance agent. You know, work for someone for like a year and... Go out on your own and, and um, you know, do it yourself, you know, just outwork everyone. Um, I had a friend who became a car broker. Basically, he negotiated on average something like, um, you know, whatever he took off the sticker price, he'd get 10% of. So, you know, on average, he'd take like six or seven grand off the sticker price because he knows everything about cars and is a great negotiator. And he'd make like six or seven hundred a deal. First year in business made 40 grand, made profit, made like three grand profit his first month in existence. You know, service-based business is almost a guaranteed moneymaker. You know, your expenses are like internet connection and gas. Um, and you can be up and running within a month and be profitable. You know, you don't have to just have an online business or, you know, a risky tech startup like I did. Um, any, any, every single one of you guys can do that and you can put your money into, um, you know, yourself in, in, instead of into some giant illiquid leveraged asset. Okay. So that's it for part one. Um, you know, if you're still thinking about buying a house, I hope that destroys the idea for you. But some of you guys might be thinking of using houses for investments and becoming a real estate investment uh, or, or a real estate investor. Um, well, I'm going to destroy that for you in part two, um, which you can check out the article on my site, Revolutionary Lifestyle Design. And uh, you can also check out the video, which is going to be coming up soon. So thanks so much, as always, for watching, guys, and um, all the best.